0: SECTION FIFTY-FOUR OF THE VALLEY OF THE MOON BY JACK LONDON THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN BOOK THREE, CHAPTER NINETEEN Mrs. Mortimer arrived with seed catalogs and farm books, to find Saxon immersed in the farm books borrowed from Edmund. Saxon showed her around, and she was delighted with everything, including the terms of the lease and its option to buy. And now, she said, what is to be done? Sit down, both of you. This is a council of war, and I'm the one person in the world to tell you what to do. I ought to be. Anybody who has reorganized and recatalogued a great city library should be able to start you young people on in short order. Now, where shall we begin? She paused for a breath of consideration. First, Madrano Ranch is a bargain. I know soil, I know beauty, I know climate. Madrano Ranch is a gold mine. There is a fortune in that meadow. Tilth. I'll tell you about that later. First here is the land." Second. What are you going to do with it? Make a living? Yes. Vegetables? Of course. What are you going to do with them after you have grown them? Sell? Where? Now listen. You must do as I did. "'Cut out the middleman. Sell directly to the consumer. Drum up your own market. Do you know what I saw from the car windows coming up the valley only several miles from here? Hotels, springs, summer resorts, winter resorts. Population, mouths, market.' How is that market supplied? I looked in vain for truck gardens. "'Billy, harness up your horses and be ready directly after dinner.' to take Saxon and me driving. Never mind everything else. Let things stand. What's the use of starting for a place of which you haven't the address? We'll look for the address this afternoon. Then we'll know where we are. At?" The last syllable, a smiling concession to Billy. But Saxon did not accompany them. There was too much to be done in cleaning the long abandoned house and in preparing an arrangement for Mrs. Mortimer to sleep. And it was long after supper time when Mrs. Mortimer and Billy returned. "'You lucky, lucky children,' she began immediately. "'This valley is just waking up. Here's your market. There isn't a competitor in the valley. I thought those resorts looked new. Caliente, Boyle's Hot Springs, El Verano, and all along the line. Then... There are three little hotels in Glen Ellen, right next door. Oh, I've talked with all the owners and managers. She's a waz, Billy admired. She'd brace up to God on a business proposition. You oughta seen her. Mrs. Mortimer acknowledged the compliment and dashed on. And where do all the vegetables come from? Wagons drive down twelve to fifteen miles from Santa Rosa and up from Sonoma. Those are the nearest truck farms, and when they fail, as they often do, I am told, to supply the increasing needs, the managers have to express vegetables all the way from San Francisco. I've introduced Billy. They've agreed to patronize home industry. Besides, it is better for them. You deliver just as good vegetables, just as cheap. You will make it a point to deliver better, fresher vegetables, and don't forget that delivery for you will be cheaper by virtue of the shorter haul. No day-old egg stunt here, no jams nor jellies, but you've got lots of space up on the bench here on which you can't grow vegetables. Tomorrow morning, I'll help you lay out the chicken runs and houses. Besides, there is the matter of capons. For the San Francisco market, you'll start small. It will be a sideline at first, I'll tell you all about that, too, and send you the literature. You must use your head. Let others do the work. You must understand that thoroughly. The wages of superintendents are always larger than the wages of the laborers. You must keep books. You must know where you stand. You must know what pays and what doesn't, and what pays best. Your books will tell you that. I'll show you all in good time. And think of it. "'All on that two acres,' Billy murmured. Mrs. Mortimer looked at him sharply. Two acres, your granny,' she said with asperity. Five acres, and then you won't be able to supply your market. "'And you, my boy, as soon as the first rains come, "'will have your hands full and your horses weary, "'draining that meadow. "'We'll work those plans out tomorrow. "'Also, there is a matter of berries on the bench here and trellised table-grapes the choicest. They bring the fancy prices. There will be blackberries, Burbanks. He lives at Santa Rosa. Loganberries. berries. But don't fool with strawberries. That's a whole occupation in itself. They're not vines, you know. I've examined the orchard. It's a good foundation. We'll settle the pruning and grafts later." "'But Billy wanted three acres of the meadow,' Saxon explained at first chance. "'What for? "'Grow hay and other kinds of food for the horses he's going to raise. "'Buy it out of a portion of the profits from those three acres,' "'Mrs. Mortimer decided on the instant.' "'Billy swallowed and again achieved renunciation. "'All right,' he said with a brave show of cheerfulness. "'Let her go. Us for the greens.' During the several days of Mrs. Mortimer's visit, Billy let the two women settle things for themselves. Oakland had entered upon a boom, and from the West Oakland stables had come an urgent letter for more horses. So Billy was out early and late, scouring the surrounding country for young work animals. In this way, at the start, he learned his valley thoroughly. There was also a clearing out at the West Oakland stables of mares whose feet had been knocked out on the hard city pavements, and he was offered first choice at bargain prices. They were good animals. He knew what they were because he knew them of old time. The soft earth of the country, with a preliminary rest in pasture, with their shoes pulled off, would put them in shape. They would never do again on hard paved streets, but there were years of farm work in them. And then there was the breeding, but he could not undertake to buy them. He fought out the battle in secret and said nothing to Saxon. At night he would sit in the kitchen and smoke, listening to all that the two women had done and planned in the day. The right kind of horses were hard to buy, and, as he put it, it was like pulling a tooth to get a farmer to part with one, despite the fact that he had been authorized to increase the buying sum by as much as fifty dollars. Despite the coming of the automobile, the price of heavy draft animals continued to rise. From as early as Billy could remember, the price of the big work-horses had increased steadily. After the great earthquake, the price had jumped, yet it had never gone back. "'Billy, you make more money as a horse-buyer.' than a common laborer, don't you?" Mrs. Mortimer asked. Very well, then. You won't have to drain the meadow or plow it or anything. You keep right on buying horses, work with your head. But out of what you make you will please pay the wages of one laborer for Saxon's vegetables. It will be a good investment with quick returns." Sure, he agreed. That's all anybody hires anybody for, to make money out of them. But how's Saxon and one man going to work them five acres, when Mr. Hale says two of us couldn't do what was needed on two acres is beyond me. Saxon isn't going to work, Mrs. Mortimer retorted. Did you see me working at San Jose? Saxon is going to use her head. It's about time you woke up to that. A dollar and a half a day is what is earned by a person who don't use their heads and she isn't going to be satisfied with a dollar and a half a day. Now listen. I had a long talk with Mr. Hale this afternoon. He says there are practically no efficient laborers to be hired in the valley. I know that, Billy interjected. All the good men go to the cities. It's only the leavins that's left. The good ones that stay behind ain't working for wages. Which is perfectly true. Every word. Now listen, children, I knew about it when I spoke to Mr. Hale. He is prepared to make the arrangements for you. He knows all about it himself, and is in touch with the warden. In short, you will parole two good-conduct prisoners from San Quentin, and they will be gardeners. There are plenty of Chinese and Italians there, and they are the best truck farmers. You kill two birds with one stone. You serve the poor convicts, and you serve yourselves. Saxon hesitated, shocked, while Billy gravely considered the question. You know John, Mrs. Mortimer went on, Mr. Hale's man about the place. How do you like him? Oh, I was wishing only today that we could find somebody like him, Saxon said eagerly. He's such a dear, faithful soul. Mrs. Hale told me a lot of fine things about him. There's one thing she didn't tell you smiled Mrs. Mortimer. John is a paroled convict. Twenty-eight years ago, in hot blood, he killed a man in a quarrel over sixty-five cents. He's been out of prison with the Hales three years now. You remember Louis, the old Frenchman on my place? He's another. So that's settled. When your two come, of course, you'll pay them fair wages, and we'll make sure that they're the same nationality either Chinese or Italian. Well, when they come, John, with their help, and under Mr. Hale's guidance, will knock together a small cabin for them to live in. We'll select the spot. Even so, when your farm is in full swing, you'll have to have more outside help. So keep your eyes open, Billy, while you're gallivanting all over the valley. The next night, Billy failed to return, and at nine o'clock, the Glen Ellen boy on horseback delivered a telegram. Billy had sent it from Lake County. He was after horses for Oakland. Not until the third night did he arrive home, tired to exhaustion, but with an ill concealed air of pride. Now what have you been doing these three days? Mrs. Mortimer demanded. Using my head, he boasted quietly, killing two birds with one stone, and take it from me. I killed a whole flock, huh? I got word of it at Lawndale, and I want to tell you Hazel and Hattie were some tired when I stabled em at Calistoga and pulled out on the stage over St. Helena. I was Johnny on the spot, and I nailed em. Eight whoppers, the whole outfit of a mountain teamster. Young animals sound as a dollar, and the lightest of em over fifteen hundred. I shipped him last night from Calistoga, and, well, that ain't all. Before that first day at Lawndale, I seen the fellow with the teeming contract for the paving-stone quarry. Sell horses? He wanted to buy them. He wanted to buy them bad. He'd even rent em, he said. And you sent him the eight you bought? Saxon broke in? Guess again. I bought them eight with Oakland money and they was shipped to Oakland, but I got the Lawndale contractor on long distance, and he agreed to pay me half a dollar a day rent for every workhorse up to half a dozen. Then I telegraphed the boss, telling him to ship me six sore-footed mares, Bud Struthers to make the choice and the charge to my commission. Bud knows what I'm after, soon as they come off go their shoes, two weeks in pasture, And then they'll go to Lawndale. They can do the work. It's a downhill haul to the railroad on a dirt road. Half a dollar rent each, that's three dollars a day they'll bring me six days a week. I don't feed em, shoe 'em, or nothin', and I've got to keep an eye on 'em to see they're treated right. Three bucks a day, huh? Well, I guess that'll keep a couple of dollar and a half men going for Saxon. Unless she works them on Sundays, huh? The Valley of the Moon. Why, we'll be wearing diamonds before long. Gosh, a fellow could live in the city a thousand years and not get such chances. It beats China lottery. He stood up. I'm going out to water Hazel and Hattie. Feed em and bed em down. I'll eat as soon as I come back. The two women were regarding each other with shining eyes, each on the verge of speech, when Billy returned to the door and stuck his head in. "'There's one thing maybe you ain't got,' he said. "'I pull down them three dollars every day, but the six mayors is mine, too. I own them. They're mine. Are you on?' End of Section 54